Welcome back to the Self-Care Creative Podcast, a show where I discuss everything from mental health over personal growth to creative struggles. I'm Ray and I hope you will join me while I go down rabbit holes and interview other creatives on here. Follow and review the podcast to support the show and let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to what is now officially season one. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to point out that currently the episodes don't have transcripts and I want to add transcripts uh, for all episodes to make it more accessible with time, but right now I don't have the resources for that, so if you have anyone that you want to recommend this podcast to that needs accessibility, I recommend watching on the YouTube channel for of this podcast that is always linked in the show notes and use the automated closed caption tool that YouTube offers. I mean, it's not perfect, but it, you take what you what you get, right? <laughs> I I would love to be able to transcribe for like 30 to 40 minute episodes, but I just sadly don't have the time for that <laughs> with all the other stuff I have to do every week. But yeah, I think that's a good alternative for now. In today's episode, we're gonna talk about realness and struggle, because I thought with a podcast that's all about realness and self-care and creativity and struggle and growth and mental health, I thought it would be kind of fitting to have episodes every now and then that go into my own journey with myself, with self-love and self-care and my creativity and mental health. And I mean, I already shared in the first episode of the podcast my struggles that I had over the last seven years-ish and I feel like I want to make these episodes like at least once per season and that's what I want to talk about today. My struggles and how how these struggles will look by the next season. That's gonna be very interesting to look at. It's also gonna be very interesting in, in the future to probably listen back to this episode. Let's get into my struggles a little bit. The first thing that I struggle with and that I currently work on is emotional codependency. It's actually very common, but it's very weird to say this out loud because like it's not common (laughs) to actually say that you struggle with emotional codependency. I don't have this in a sense where like in a sense that gets like used as an example a lot in, in psychology. How do I explain this? A lot of times codependency can end up in very unhealthy relationships and in relationships with narcissistic people and stuff like that. And I'm not in a situation like that. And I, I still have a lot of myself. Like a lot of a lot of people that have very intense codependency kind of lose themselves in their enmeshment with other people or with their their partner or whoever they are codependent to. And I don't have that really. I already did a lot of work, to be fair. It's an interesting thing, especially in your early 20s, because to an extent it's normal to still be somewhat dependent on your parents, especially in my generation that has like the worst start into adulthood like ever, like worse than millennials. And I don't know, it's just very, it's a very interesting thing to live through because I mean there's no perfect way to live through that and heal through that. It's not that I completely lost my personality to a relationship or something that I have, it's just that I still show a lot of a lot of like symptoms of codependency. Like a lot of thought patterns uh, are still like in my head 
that are like codependent. It's not that I really live it out that much anymore. I already did a lot of work with boundaries. If you don't have, if, you, if you're not good with boundaries, it's common that you're also like codependent most of the time. And if you're too intense with boundaries, it can happen that you're over-independent, but that's a whole different topic. But yeah, I have been setting boundaries more. I've been watching myself talk a lot. I've been voicing my needs and my emotions more, which has been very interesting because like in the last two weeks, I really started to notice how much I already move forward in this regard of healing. It's very interesting because like just like a couple months ago, I felt like, yo, if I would be like alone, I would literally not survive. <laughs> Which is very a very intense feeling to have. And I feel like a lot of people with mental illness to still live at home kind of feel that way too. Because they're like, how the fuck will I survive with my mental illness like alone without like the help of other people that live with me? Uh, and then I don't have that that much anymore. Like I'm still concerned about my energy levels and how they affect the way I will be able to make in income in the world of capitalism. <laughs> but it's not that not in the in a realm anymore where i'm like holy hell how the hell will i survive alone this is a very common like internal like thing with emotional co emotionally codependent people that they like feel like they can't survive without the other person that they're that they think they're dependent on and yeah like when when my depression and stuff was really bad last year i had that i had that and <laughs> oh, i'm so glad i don't i don't anymore Next thing that I struggle with that is also very common that which I found out after researching it a little bit is abandonment wound. This is pretty much standard for children of divorce. <laughs> um, so yeah, children of divorce, people that had grandparents that they loved to die early on in life but also like just just small traumas in childhood can that we don't even remember can um, create an abandonment wound so like it's really common to have some sense of abandonment wound because as a, as a child we are dependent on our parents and the smallest thing that makes us feel abandoned can create a little bit or bigger aban abandonment wound so yeah pretty much all of us have one and some people just struggle way more with it and with what it creates in our mind and our body some people call this like a mother wound or a father wound or daddy issues or, you know, it really depends where it comes from, if you know where it comes from. <laughs> For a lot of people, it's usually like a father wound. Or if if someone has like a narcissistic mother, it's usually a mother wound. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's like, it's like common in a more misogynistic and patriarchal world and system that we live in that it's a father wound because often men are not really held to the standard of being good fathers um and i'm not even saying this to sound sexist that is literally how misogyny works and how we treat like the standards we don't hold men to often i mean there's a whole i could make an entire episode about all the stuff that is like hidden misogyny in our world but that, that's not the topic for today usually it's very common with if you had one or two emotionally unavailable parents and most adult life triggers can be traced back to the things we learned from our parents in childhood so from their own traumas and their beliefs or punishment like if we have our own children we usually give that abandonment wound to them to an extent because 
most of the patterns that our abandonment wound gave us. This is like a transgenerational thing, so that's a very interesting thing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's such a big topic, it's really hard to make this into like a short explanation, because abandonment wounds can do so much and trigger so many different things in different people, and I feel like this deserves an entire like episode of its own, because it triggers very it can trigger like very specific things in ourselves like it's often the reason why people after a breakup have such a big breakthrough because their abandonment wound was triggered and they noticed something they noticed like a a wound that they had that they didn't know they had which is yeah that that creates the them healing that wound obviously so like there's a lot to go into there another point that kind of kind of connects the abandonment wound thing a little bit is low self-esteem which oh this is such a interesting funny topic for me because for the longest time i thought i had a decent amount of self-esteem um because i just didn't struggle with body image that much and usually that's very common for women and for girls to like struggle with body image but i just didn't have that as a problem that much but after overcoming big parts of my anxiety and depression and digging deeper into like my mental health and all that stuff, I realized how many negative thought patterns that I actually had in my brain about myself and the world around me. And yeah, I just noticed a lot of negative and limiting beliefs about myself that connected back to feeling unloved or not worthy or, you know, all that fun stuff. <laughs> I mean, we all have negative and limiting beliefs especially in our society because a lot of limiting beliefs are fed to us pretty much but it was very a very interesting thing to learn that i actually don't have that good of a self esteem because i went my entire life thinking i did have good self esteem because i was simply doing a little bit better than the people around me when it came to like body image and like the common things that like you know like i, I just didn't voice or feel the way other people voiced their low self-esteem and now looking at it a lot of these people voiced it and but otherwise we're good at like covering it up and i like it's, it's weird how the world around us forms us because i was like now looking back i'm like i didn't have body image issues back then or any low self-esteem on an intense level but i feel like when i was diagnosed with anxiety disorder that actually kind of changed more in that moment of my life and of course, like stuff that you take with you from childhood trauma and stuff like that. But yeah, it's 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 very interesting to like notice that you actually don't have very high self-esteem. <laughs> but I'm actually working on that a lot, um, especially right now. I read a lot of books right now on relationships to self and fulfilling our own needs and just all that fun stuff and journaling prompts and workbooks and i just i i love doing stuff interactively for my healing and not just like meditate all the time which it's is good but i like when i need to write and ask myself questions and if i have help from a book or a journaling prompt or anything like that and uh all of these things kind of lead me to <laughs> the biggest struggle that is kind of a combination of all the things before it's self-abandonment it's pretty much triggered by the abandonment wound and those negative beliefs and childhood wounds and all the stuff that i already mentioned but it's like the, the culmination of all those things and yeah it's it you can pretty much picture what self-abandonment is you just don't care about yourself the way you should 
for example. Like a good example of self-abandonment is holding yourself to a higher standards than you do hold the people around you to standards. Did that make sense? <laughs> I see that a lot. That in, in especially our generation and the millennial generation, that people hold other people around them to like like a basic normal standard maybe even too low and then they hold themselves to a standard that is unattainable which creates perfectionism and that perfectionism creates procrastination and it's just a loop of yeah self-abandonment is a lot of not listening to what you really need or what you feel right now or you don't let yourself feel your feelings or you invalidate your feelings and maybe your body image gets worse. In my case, that's not that much the case, but I definitely, since finding out my self-esteem is not as high as I thought, I definitely do have some level of, not body image issues, but like, let's just say I need to be better at like body neutrality. It's not that I hate my body, it's just like I have a different relationship with it now. It's like very hard to explain it because I still love my body. I still speak to my body kindly, but at if you break yourself open for healing, which is, I mean, if you're healed, you need to rip the wound open, kind of, to heal it correctly. And you make yourself more vulnerable to the world around you. And like in the healing process, when, when you see a lot of stuff in society that is ruining body image for people, that that does something to you too, of course, right? So that's, that's a very interesting combination. But yeah, uh, self-abandonment also very much impacts social life. Depressed people often self-abandon which there's a whole like reason for that I don't, i'm not gonna go into that but usually self-abandonment also means isolation to a certain extent or not thinking you're worthy of the friends that you have or your friends hate you and it's very interesting like all these things that i mentioned in this episode also connect very deeply to attachment theory it's interesting to to like write like writing the script for this episode was very <laughs> profound i wrote it like a couple of weeks ago when i still had a little bit more time and it's it was an interesting feeling because i had to outline what i had and how i heal it and now we'll get to the part of how i'm working on these things i'm already like i already talked a little bit about this but yeah let's just go into that for a little bit how am i working on all these issues <laughs> And it's a lot of issues. First of all, I'm still waiting on the therapy space to open up. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. Yes, Germany. No comment. Um, it's like, if you are waiting for a therapy placement, you're not alone. <laughs> it's the most annoying thing in the world. Like, we are in desperate need of more therapy places. And I can only speak for Germany right now. I know this is a problem everywhere, but I can speak for Germany when, it, when I can say, where I can say just the, the entrance into a psychology degree is made way too hard like it's depending way too much on your grades and way too little on emotional intelligence which is what a psychologist should have but yeah and then there's a lot of people that are like a holistic therapist and usually in germany that means like people that do emdr which is good for trauma like therapy and just stuff like that like pe those people are also therapists They're, they didn't study medicine or they didn't study psychology but they're also therapists like they they can practice therapy but they are not covered by universal health care like all the there are so many ways therapy would be easier to access for the entire country that I live in, but it's not changed. People still need to wait like three months or more for therapy space, and in three months, 
something that was a more temporary problem can definitely become a permanent problem, especially when it's depression or anxiety. And then usually what you get is cognitive behavioral therapy and I think it, that is absolutely a band-aid and not helping with the root cause of the problem most of the time. It just makes people functional and not healed. But there's a whole rant that I have about that that I will keep to myself now because uh, that there's a lot of... Yeah. Just read The Body Keeps the Score. It's I mean, it's based in the US, most of the stuff that's written in there, but it applies so much to the rest of the world. So like, The Body Keeps the Score is a good book. Recently finished it. Amazing book. But yeah, I'm waiting for a therapy space. Or even like a therapist that even like that I want to go to. It's already hard to find someone that doesn't practice cognitive behavioral therapy. So that like I already have a limited amount of therapists that I would want to go to. And then I also limit by like the that they're like a woman <laughs> or identify as a woman for reasons. <laughs> Like, just for, like, because I have, like, very bad experiences with male therapists in the past. But yeah, it, it, it's hard. It's very hard. But yeah, this, this this is, like, the number one thing that I would recommend everyone to look into, even though it's very hard to, like, find. The second thing that I do is my typical stuff, of course, that I mention all the time on this podcast. It's meditation, journaling, and, like, reading. Reading's, like, something that I recently picked up again more and it really helped me to like block myself off of Twitter and social media in general um, to read more again. <laughs> like I, th I feel like a lot of people always complain that they don't read that much anymore, but they never e even think about that. Like their whole reading capacity for the day goes into social media. So if you want to read more again, first of all, find out what your preferred way of reading is: audiobook, digital, physical, and then find a cheap or free version of being able to read. So like a library or you know there are ways, <laughs> and then block yourself off of social media for the amount of time that you want to read. It changed my mind so much about, I don't know, about how our generation Z is reading. It's very hard to like <laughs> explain this because like you just change one habit for the other, right? It's actually not that hard to explain. Why do I say that? <laughs> it's very easy to explain, actually. We, we need to change one habit that's more on the bad side for one that's more on the good side. So, like, social media interchange for reading. Another thing that I do is inner child work. And if you're not into the mental health space or not that deeply into it, you might be thinking this is, like, some spiritual stuff, but it really isn't. Inner child work is very common in therapy. And in therapies of all kinds on top of that. Especially in trauma therapy. It's really... It's profound because... You can feel super healed already and then you do inner child work and you will sob your eyes out. It's, it's yeah, it's very profound. <laughs> um, there are workbooks for that. There are complete, like, just books that are about that. There are worksheets for that. Journaling prompts. And, of course, there's meditations for that. Like, often it's, like, self-love meditations with inner child work. And let me tell you, I don't know how many times I cried when I did meditations like that because sometimes we need to hug ourselves and we don't even need to do it physically when we meditate. It's just like imagining to hug ourselves or a smaller self. It's, it's hard to describe to someone if they haven't done that already. So yes, <laughs> you should really like try that out if you think you need some healing. But also develop 
coping skills beforehand because that can make you very vulnerable at this work. Then journaling, I already mentioned that. I do journaling for inner child work. I do just journaling in general. Like if I really really feel like overwhelmed or bad and I don't know why, I just I just write everything from my brain onto a Google document and just have it out of my brain. And it usually helps me take action on something, a task that I'm procrastinating or just getting out my emotions. Like it's it's always it's always a good idea to write stuff down when you when you're stuck because the words often get you unstuck. That's the only way I can describe it. And a big thing that I already mentioned earlier in the episode that really helped a lot is figuring out which needs, like which of my needs I need to fulfill. That is something that is, I feel like, not taught enough in CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Sometimes you really just need a sheet of words in front of you and to figure out what your your mind and your body currently needs. Like, I don't know, I've learned to, like, just ask myself or my inner child, like, what it needs right now. And usually I get an answer from myself, like, intuitively. I... I'm currently in the process of making a freebie for my website with needs that people can use to like figure out what they currently need. And just looking at them, sometimes it's like, oh, this is actually what I need right now. And like, tr- like th- this, all of this builds self-trust because you can trust yourself more and more that you can like fulfill your own needs and that you can point out what's ra- wrong currently or not wrong, but what, what's off in your body, on your mind. So that's like a very big part in healing just to recognize your needs and how you can like heal yourself that way like by by fulfilling your needs or by asking for help this is also a big thing the opposite of codependency is uh hyper independency which is when people want to fulfill all of their needs by themselves which is also not healthy we need interdependence some things we need help with (laughs) you need a hug every now and then which especially in this in the pandemic has been hard so i'm very afraid that at the end of the pandemic a lot of People will be hyper-independent and don't want to depend on others at all anymore, which is also not very healthy. But that's uh, that's the whole thing that I would would love to like research a little bit more on my own. Another thing that's also very crucial and a part of self-care that's not talked about enough it's, is setting boundaries with yourself and with others. So like, oh, this is... Boundaries are always very hard to explain because any any person has any amount of boundaries that they held in and want to be held in. Boundaries with yourself could be having a set sleeping time, sleeping schedule, and like pushing yourself to like be good to your body, like going outside regularly and just keeping the space around you clean. And boundaries with others is just like, yeah, I don't I don't like to be talked to like this, or you currently make me feel like this, could you stop that? Or just establishing privacy boundaries, like this is like private, I don't want to share this with anyone. Like boundaries can sound super differently, and I have a boundary book or book about boundaries <laughs> uh, on my to read list, and when I finish that I probably will also make an episode on this. Because it's such a complex topic. Which is so important. And yeah, the rest of the work is pretty much doing the hard work of accepting myself, giving myself uh, compassion, doing uncomfortable things that will benefit me in the long term, like working out, writing assignments, you know, stuff that will help my future self. 
Yeah, my goal is to heal a big chunk of that abandonment wound, change my attachment style a little bit more towards the secure attachment style, um, loving myself more, and I really hope the next time I make an update on this like mini series that I'm starting now that there that I will have like made progress. I mean, healing is linear, healing is messy as hell, but of course I hope I'll be a good chunk better <laughs> the next time I check in with this series. I have no name for the series. I'm just probably gonna label it something with struggles or something like that. But yeah, healing. Healing, we're all healing. I'm especially healing right now. Self-love journey. A lot of this has to do with self-love at the end of the day. Just self the self-love journey. I feel like that's pretty much all I have to say about this topic. I wanted to mention that the first five to ten episodes in this uh, season will be solo episodes and no interviews because I was so concentrated on healing and on studying like the entire month uh, months of like April and May were just studying pure uh, <laughs> I didn't have time to like email people and ask them to be on the podcast so that will that will happen as soon as I got enough rest and have the capacity to like write all all types of messages and emails with people and organize days to talk to them and stuff like that and like research these people a little bit deeper to ask better questions you know what i mean all that I, you you want to you want to be a good interviewer that knows a little bit right i don't i, just, I don't just want to <laughs> go into it like with standard questions every time so you can be excited for that sooner or later, well, probably later in the season, like I said. But even the solo episodes that I planned out are all pretty good, if I do say so myself. I already planned out like six of them, I think. But until the next episode, I hope you stay safe and you self-care. Bye!